The story of Joseph is one you've probably heard before. Many of us have heard him read to us well, just before going to bed by a mother or a father. Others, you know, maybe you've heard him and been taught in Sunday school about this man who got this coat of many colors and how God was with him through thick and thin. But I want to show you another side of this story today, a little deeper, just one step deeper. And when we take that one step deeper, we'll start seeing that there is a lot of parallels in the story. And I want to submit to you that the story of Joseph from beginning to end is a detailed account of both the crucifixion of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, up to the very end of the age that is still to come. It gives us a prophetic insight into the story of Yeshua. And, and I want to submit to you that when you look at the story of Joseph, you will see the story of Yeshua in a new light. You will see things that you haven't seen in the account of Matthew or Luke, etc. See, God is so incredible that he predestined before Jesus was crucified many things to occur that will be precursors for him coming and it will speak to his coming. It will speak in detail to the account and his testimony. The story starts with Joseph receiving dreams. And as he receives these dreams, he actually comes and he tells him to his family. And these dreams are quite peculiar because it involves his family and it involves them more specifically bowing down to Joseph. He sees this vision of the sun, moon, stars, all, all these things bowing down before him, a picture of his brothers and his, his mother and father bowing down before him. But what happened then next is they start getting jealous. Well, the scriptures say that Joseph's father, Jacob, kept the dreams in mind. His brothers grew incredibly jealous over the next coming years because Jacob is pours out favoritism over Joseph. He he loves him so much, in fact, that he gives him this marvelous coat of many colors. And as he clothes Joseph in this cloak, Joseph's brothers are infuriated. How can my my our father give so much favoritism to our younger brother? This one who thinks that he is everything in the world. And in their heart, they start conspiring against him as to how they can get rid of him. And one day, as they are in the field tending the flocks, his father, Joseph's father, sends him to check up on his brothers. And as the brothers see Joseph coming from afar, they conspire to kill him. And they say the following, Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So the first 
peace that we see that parallels with the account of Jesus is this right here. When they came to to Joseph to conspire to kill him, Reuben stepped in and he said, no, 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 no. We are not going to kill him. Let's throw him into the pit alive and then we'll see. But the scriptures say that Reuben in his heart was trying to find a way to actually save Joseph and restore him back to his father. He was not on board with what his brothers wanted to do, especially Judah, as Judah, brother Judah was leading the brothers in this. And it's exactly what happened when they first came to take Yeshua away. Remember what happened? Peter stood up and he said, no, you cannot take him. And he took a sword and cut off the ear from one of the guards. After he was betrayed by Judas. So we see that in Reuben and Peter, there's this very similar account. And in the very next verse, in verse 23, we read about how the brothers then took Joseph and stripped him of his garments. They took it off of him. And this is exactly what we see happen also after Yeshua was taken up. We see him being stripped of his garment. Genesis 37 verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. Matthew 27 verse 35. And when they had crucified him, Jesus, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Next, what we see is instead of killing him right there, they decide to rather sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites. They take, they see the traders coming by and they take their brother Joseph out of the pit and they sell Joseph to these traders for 20 shekels. And the one who actually had the idea to sell Joseph was his brother Judah. And the Hebrew name for Judah, it was actually the same name of Judas, where Judas was the betrayer, the one who who sold or gave Yeshua away for 30 shekels. You see, it's the same parallel. And Reuben, after a short while, returns to the pit where his brother Joseph was after leaving it. And, and in the midst of him leaving it, his brother sold him. So when Reuben returned, he finds it empty and he, and he says, oh, 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 what happened? Where is he? What shall we do? He says the following. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone and I, where shall I go? And this is exactly the same with Peter. Peter, after Yeshua was crucified, you know, Peter left right as they took him, right? They, he left, he, he was scattered. And then as he returned to his brothers, as Peter returned to the disciples, he, they told him, well, he's, he's gone. It's, it's been done. He's, Yeshua, Jesus has, has, has been crucified. He's been put in the grave. And Peter says the same. He says, what shall I do? Where shall we go? Our life, we've been wasting all our time on this, on this man. Now he's dead. And it seems like to Peter, it seemed in that moment that his whole world comes crashing down and, and he's not sure to believe anymore. He and his faith fails him. 
And what they do next is they take Joseph's robe, that one that his father gave him, and they dip it in the blood of a goat. They sacrifice a goat, take its blood, and dip this robe in this blood. And they take the robe to their father, Jacob, to show that their, his son has passed away. And they say that he's been devoured by animals. And see, it's interesting because the Roman crucifixion of the day of when Yeshua was crucified was that usually the bodies were actually devoured by wild animals. But it was different with Yeshua's body because someone came to volunteer and he said, let me take him and put him in my burial site. And instead of Yeshua's body being devoured by wild beasts, his body was preserved, was was put in this grave, if you will. And it's similar to what happened with Joseph is his body was never really devoured by wild beasts. Instead, his body was taken away and sent into a place, a prison, a, a grave, if you will, a, a place where he is locked up, locked away place, a prison that represents like the death or the burial site of Yeshua. But see, there's something bigger you need to see about the blood and how his, uh, Joseph's robe was dipped. You see, everything that happened on the day of the crucifixion of Yeshua was happening at the time of the Passover festival. Jesus is the Passover lamb sacrificed for the sins of the world. You see, before they were making continuous sacrifices year by year for the remission of their sins, or as rather a symbol of what Yeshua would come to do later. That's what the animal sacrifices were for. It all points to Yeshua and what he would come do later. And see with Joseph, it's the same. The blood, his robe is dipped in blood because it, it, it's a picture of what Yeshua would do. He was, Yeshua was the one that spilled his blood. He was the big sacrifice that all the animal sacrifices were just about that pointed to. It was all about Yeshua. And similarly, the dipping of Joseph's blood makes a connection of a sacrifice. That Joseph was sacrificed, if you will by Judah and his brothers. Joseph was sold by his brothers to the Midianites and the Midianites then quickly thereafter sold him to the officer of Pharaoh. This officer was the captain of the guard. And this is the same office, if you will, that Yeshua was sold to. While Yeshua was betrayed by Judas to Caiaphas, Caiaphas's guards then quickly turned uh, Yeshua over to Pontius Pilate, the officer of the Roman guard. And of course, we know the story that shortly thereafter, Pontius Pilate started interrogating Yeshua, started asking him who he was and, uh, and actually looking at all these false accusations brought against him. Because we know that Yeshua never sinned. He was he was he's had a clean conscience before father before God. But they came and brought various false accusations, saying saying that he commits blasphemy, etc. And so the same thing happened with Joseph. 
where Joseph was actually as a slave taken and he was he was placed into this house the household of this officer he was he was a servant but he was very much given um, free reign if you will um, in this house of his master but then his Joseph's master's wife came and brought a false accusation against Joseph he she came and she tried to seduce him she tried to tempt him to make him stumble just like how Satan tried to make Yeshua stumble in the wilderness and throughout his life through sin but Yeshua never did he ne- Jesus never sinned same similarly while this officer's wife tried to make Joseph stumble by saying you need to lie with me you need to sleep with me he Joseph continually rejected her and said no I will not to the point where one day when she came near and tried to grab him he actually ran out of that place but she took a hold of his garment and she had his garment and she her, she went to her, ma- her her husband Joseph's master and she said that your servant has come to try and lie with me try try to rape me and and I screamed and and no one and Joseph's master was deeply displeased and threw Joseph in the prison and once again Joseph found himself now even worse off than he where he was he was first sold off into slavery but now He's in prison and in this place, Joseph finds the cup bearer and chief baker. He's been locked away for a long time, but he hears these two fellow prisoners, these two new ones who just were thrown into prison because Pharaoh was was displeased with them. And he he hears them one day speaking about how they are. They had these dreams, the cup bearer and the. The, the chief baker and he asked him, well, what is this? What is wrong? And, and they said, no, we had these dreams and there's no one to interpret them. We don't know what to do. And Joseph comes and interprets the two men's dreams. They had very similar dreams, but the outcome of the interpretation was that the one would be lifted up by Pharaoh and, and restored to his office, while the other would be lifted up but his head would be lifted up and he would be hanged he would be killed by Pharaoh and so Joseph gave them the interpretation of these dreams and we see the same happen at the cross you see at the cross when Yeshua was in on the cross hanging there were two men with him in that place two thieves two who were who had sin the one was restored back to the kingdom of God Yeshua saw him he has repentant heart and he said oh forgive me oh I'll see you uh, please think of me when you enter the reign of the heavens and Yeshua said you will, today I tell you you will be with me in the rain but the other mocked Yeshua and said, oh, why don't you take us all down from this cross, you son of God? And that one went to die. He was not saved. It's the same thing. Like the, the chief baker was, it's the scriptures say he was lifted up. His head was taken and the ravens actually came to pick him. 
After the cupbearer was restored into Pharaoh's kingdom to do his duties and his office, we actually see that he forgot about Joseph because as the the cupbearer um, after Joseph gave him the, the interpretation of the dream, Joseph said, when this happens, please remember me. But the cupbearer never did. However, much later, Pharaoh had dreams. And in these dreams, Pharaoh sees these 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 livestock eating the other livestock. And, and he's got no idea what does this mean? What is this about? And similarly, the cupbearer again remembers about Joseph and he says, Oh, Pharaoh, there is someone that I think who can help you. And there was no one else in all the kingdom of Egypt to try who could who could discern or interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. But Joseph was called upon and after they after he shaved and he appeared before Pharaoh, he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh where he interpreted the dream to mean that there would be seven years of great harvest of of prosperity, if you will, in the land. But then that there would be seven years following that, that there would be a great famine. And after and he, and he says, but Pharaoh, you need to get someone to help you with this so that this you can prepare for this famine. Pharaoh shortly thereafter restores Joseph and takes him out of prison and puts he was so impressed that he puts Joseph in charge of this great of, of, of Egypt and, and making sure that there would be enough food in the storehouses for the three and a half years of famine. And see, this is similar to what will happen later. We read in the scriptures a promise of three and a half years of peace on earth, followed by three and a half of tribulation, where we are and, and Yeshua, he says the same. He says, while it is day, you need to proclaim the gospel right after healing that blind man. He tells his disciples, while it is day, we need to do the works of him who sent me. I submit to you, it's the same today. While it is day, while we can, while before the three and a half years that that horrible time of tribulation of famine comes, we ought to proclaim the gospel with all we ought, we ought, we have. We have to go out and proclaim it to every creature because see, there is coming come a time of famine of God's word where the world will be so lost and far away where and the tribulation will be so hard that it would become almost impossible to continue proclaiming it. And it will be impossible to continue proclaiming it as it is proclaimed in this day. So see, as Joseph was preparing for this famine that was coming by stockpiling the food, we ought to do the same. Today is the day to prepare both ourselves and others. Today is the day to stockpile the word that is from above, the word of God, our food, our nourishment. You see, today is the day to work for a time is coming when you cannot work anymore. You see, many people say tomorrow I'll do this, tomorrow I'll do that. But what if there is no tomorrow? You see, today, while it is day, we have to have an urgency in our heart. Like Joseph in, in Pharaoh, they had an urgency to prepare the land for the famine that is coming, the three and a half years of tribulation. And see, we are standing in a place where that famine is not far off. 
And we ought to prepare with all we have. Because see, brothers and sisters, there are people's lives that are on the line. Just like if they did not prepare for the famine by, by storing up food, if they just ignore this, this warning from God, many people in the land would die. Many would perish. Similarly, many people will die. Many blood, much blood will be spilled, if you will, if we don't go out and proclaim the gospel while it is day. And as Joseph governs the land, his brothers shortly actually come to appear before him. We read the following. Now, Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. You see, even though all this stuff went wrong with Joseph, he, he, you know, his brothers was, they saw where he came to them. He made known to them what they would do one day, bow down before him and they got jealous and they did everything they can to prevent that from happening. They sold him away. They did all that. They got rid of his legacy by even telling their father that he is no more. But still God's promise prevails. God's calling prevails because Joseph submitted himself unto the Lord. You see, this is a picture, brothers and sisters, of no matter what the world does and throws your way, no matter what tribulation we see, whether we are locked up once or twice or three times like Joseph, if God has made a promise, he will deliver it. He is not a God that makes promises that go null and void. And see, even through all the tribulation of Joseph, God's promise is fulfilled. And, and how ironic that the very things that Joseph's brothers tried to bring against him to prevent God's promises from prospering was the very things that enabled Joseph to be elevated to where he was. Just like with Yeshua, Satan tried all these things. He, he tried to bring many kinds of devices against Yeshua and then to end even putting Yeshua on the cross. But that was the very thing that elevated Yeshua into the kingdom of God to be the name above all names where he dies for the world. If Satan's devices, if Satan never tried what he did and tried to attack, Yeshua would not have been crucified. You see, it shows you how God's promises work out regardless of the persecution. And you see, God is so amazing that he uses even the plans of the enemies, our enemies, Satan, against them. He turns it around for good and he blesses and exalts us by the devices of the wicked. All we have to do is submit ourselves unto God and say, Father, here we are. Use us. Here we are. Father, Lord, you've given us this promise. We need to wrestle with God and say, Father, Father, help us. Sometimes all we ever have to say is, Father, help. And that is enough. Joseph did not have, was not a man of many words. He had few words, but he simply uttered, Father, help from behind the prison cell doors. Genesis 45 verse 3. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. 
And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. You see, this is exactly what God does today with us, even though we were the ones in many cases that put him on the cross with our sin. We were the ones that put Yeshua Jesus there. He comes to us with his Holy Spirit and he says, yes, this happened. You gave me up, but do not be dismayed for I have come to give you a life. You see, it was very, the very act of Joseph's brothers selling him, giving him away that would later save Joseph's brothers because it is now Joseph who comes and he prevents the famine from overtaking the land and overtaking his brothers. He, Joseph saves the world. And if it was not for his brothers giving him up, Joseph would never do that. Similarly, if we never gave Yeshua up, he would never have been coming to save us. He would never be elevated to the Christ. And see, shows you again, God works all things for his good. Now, all that needs to happen is Joseph's brothers need to repent. Similarly, all that needs to happen is we need to repent. Yeshua says, yes, this happened, it's, it's, but don't be dismayed. Allow me to enter your life. Allow me to come into your life and break the chains of bondage. Allow me to take the famine away. Allow me to come and give you food that is not of this world. A food that this world will never provide. Just like Joseph, Joseph was able to provide food and no one else in the world there could provide. Joseph was the one who multiplied. And so similarly today, I tell you, Yeshua is the one who multiplies. And you ought to just come to him and say, Yeshua, I have sinned against you. I have come and I have I have broken your laws. I have transgressed your covenant. But Yeshua save me and see when we do that he is quick to forgive and he comes quickly speedily to save us to give us freedom deliverance from the sins of the world the things that will held us back and you see what happened in this occurrence is joseph's kindness and grace to his brothers was the very thing that softened their hearts and brought and changed their hearts similarly today it's yeshua's love god's love for us his kindness his mercy when we see what yeshua did that we are pricked in our heart and we say, Yeshua, we want you. We want to follow you. You see, Joseph said, don't worry, because God sent me before you to preserve life. It's exactly what Yeshua did. He also said, God has sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. You see, this was to fulfill the promise of Abraham, the 12 sons of Israel, of Jacob, 
they must survive because from their line, all the earth is supposed to be blessed. That was a promise of God. And so even though these 12 sons deeply transgressed against their brother and against God, they there was a promise of God and God came and he delivered on this promise and an incredibly beautiful story because and so see them actually delivering Joseph up would save them and bring forth a remnant. It's the same today. Yeshua was delivered up and he brought forth a remnant. The blessing of Abraham, where all the earth will be blessed through his seed, was fulfilled in the 12 sons of Israel, who became the 12 tribes of Israel, who assimilated over the nations, and who all who follow and call on the name of Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, becomes grafted into. We become grafted into Israel, become part of Israel. You see, brothers and sisters, if it was not for the grace of Joseph, we would not be here today. And similarly, if it was not for even greater, the grace of Yeshua, the Messiah, the mercy, the forgiveness of God, we would not be here today. And so let us give him glory and honor and praise for what he has done. No matter what you're going through, no matter what trial, what tribulation, no matter what prison cell you're in today, I ask you to simply call on his name. Call on the name of God and let him elevate you. Let him deliver you. For all who call on his name with a pure heart will be delivered. You see, God will fulfill every promise he has proclaimed over your life. He will not keep hold anything back. He will in fact come and by the adversaries, by the persecution, by the hurt, he will come and he will yield an increase in you that surpasses what you thought, that surpasses anything that you can imagine. You see, when God came and gave, gave this promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and then these 12 sons, Today, what we see is something that they could have never imagined. Similarly, I profess and prophesy the same over your life today, that God will come and bless you in such a way that you could have never imagined by this promise that you have. May it be done unto you. May God bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you. Keep looking to him. Shalom and blessings.